we're, uh, we're going to start a series. Uh, it's actually, a, it's based on this book, all right? So uh, this is a, a book, Anxious for Nothing. Uh, Max Lucado uh, is who wrote it. He's the one who you're going to be watching on the DVD. He's the one that's going to be doing the, the DVD session. Uh, if you want this book, uh, you can buy it off of Amazon for $13.40, okay? And if you've got Prime, you'll get it in a couple of days. Um, I can get it for you for $75. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, no, you know, I just thought it'd be easier for you, people who want it, to be able to do it. Um, you can, if you kind of read this, uh, read this book, it'll go along a lot with um, what I'm doing. Some of the stuff is... Uh, Kind of, I actually got my idea for my illustration today from here. So, um, you know, this is different uh, from the DVD. There's a couple of overlaps, but it will be a little bit different. So for some of you who are readers and you like this, this is a thing. Um, and if you're not aware of it, uh, a lot of these books, including this book, you can get on audio. So if you're not a reader, you can listen to it. Uh, so, you know, uh, that will let you kind of follow where we're going uh, with the book. So basically... Uh, to give you a little bit of a background um, as, we, as we study this, uh, we're going to be in the book of Philippians uh, as we go through this study, specifically Philippians chapter 4. So I want to take a little bit of time this morning. I want to give you a background about Philippians so we're all on the same page. And then, then we're going to dive into the first principle this morning. <clears throat> uh, the book of Philippians uh, is written to a church at Philippi. Okay? When Paul writes it, he's in prison. Uh, after this, he's probably going to be executed. So he's going to write a couple more books after this, but while he writes this book, he's in prison. Uh, Philippi is a place that Paul visited on a second missionary journey. And on that second missionary journey, there's a gal by the name of Lydia who gets saved, and she becomes a big, important part of that church. Uh, if you remember the story of um, uh, the Philippian jailer, uh, what happens is Paul and them are beaten and they're thrown into prison, and uh, they're singing praises, and the Lord opens up all the doors to the prison. Nobody escapes. The Philippian jailer is just shocked at this, and he gets saved and baptized in his whole family. Uh, so uh, Philippi has a, has a history that way. What Paul does is Paul writes to this church at Philippi, because during the time that he writes this, there, were, there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of pressure. And so Paul writes this book, and the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. Uh, you see it over and over and over again in the book. Now, what you have to understand is that when Paul writes this, you know, he's been through a life of he's been beaten, he has been shipwrecked, he's been bitten by a snake, he's been stoned, he's been thrown out of places, uh, he, his eyesight is probably not the best. His speech is probably pretty poor. He's probably all hunched over from all the beatings and stuff. That, you know, this isn't a guy who's, who's, who's driving a big fancy chariot and, and, and living in a big fancy house because everything's gone well for him. Um, this is a guy who knows hardship. This is a guy who knows stress. This is a guy who knows, knows really, really difficult, hard, harsh life. When he writes to the people at Philippi, he try, he's trying to encourage them because they're facing pressure from Nero. Many of them are starting to be executed. You know, they've they're, they're, they're got the, the, the arena where we're feeding Christians to lions. And you've got all this kind of stuff 
starting to play out a little bit in history. And so Paul writes to them, and uh, if you struggle with depression, if you struggle with focus, if you struggle with those things, Philippians is your book, okay? Read it over and over and over again. Uh, because here's basically, let me give you a quick summary of the whole book, okay? Each chapter focuses on something different that the focus is you can have joy in spite of this, all right? So, for instance, chapter one deals with circumstances. You can have joy regardless of your circumstances. Again, this is a guy in prison who's writing this. Uh, You get to chapter two, and the idea in chapter two is people will rob you of joy if you let them. You can have joy in spite of the way people treat you. Uh, When he gets to chapter uh, three, uh, he talks about uh, the idea of things will rob you of joy if you're not careful. Uh, you can get so obsessed with things that uh, before you know it, uh, you know, your whole life, if, if something, something doesn't work right, you know, it just sucks the joy right out of your life. And, and Paul talks about how to have joy in spite of things. And then chapter four, which is where we're going to be our text, is this idea of worry, of anxiety. Uh, that we we constantly face. And Paul basically, and that's where we're going to focus, we're going to focus on this idea of, of, all right, how do we handle, how do we handle the craziness of the world that we're in and still maintain calm in, in, in spite of all the stress, all the pressure, all the stuff, okay? So that's where we're going this morning. So before we get there, uh, we got to, we got to, walk through a couple of things to understand them. So let's go to the verse that we're going to look at, and here's, here's where we're going to focus this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, in case you didn't hear it, let's say it again. I will say it again. Rejoice. That's what Paul said. He says, okay, if you didn't get it the first time, I'm going to say it twice. <clears throat> Let your gentleness be known to all men, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. That's tall order. And and by the way, remember, this is a guy in in prison awaiting Nero to wake up one day or or, or, or the Roman person in charge to wake up one day and go, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know, let's go kill Paul. It's all took. And Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. So let's talk a little bit about this word anxious, and then we'll get back to the first part of the verse. So um, let's understand what the idea of anxious is, because there's a word that's very close, but it's something very different, and that's the word fear, all right? So I want to talk a little bit about the difference between fear and anxious, all right? Um, And fear, first of all, fear is a natural response for us, okay? It's the, um, the, the fight or flight kind of response that we have. Fear is a good thing. There are things that you need to fear, all right? Uh, and so fear has this idea of, of fight or flight. In other words, you walk into your yard, you go, you go, now, we don't have this here, but in some place in the country you do. You walk out into your yard and there's a rattlesnake, okay? Fear says run or kill it, fight or flight. So that's a good thing. You either run or you kill it. That's fear. Anxiety is much different. 
Because anxiety focuses not on fear, not on fight or flight. Anxiety focuses on what ifs. So anxiety would say, because there was a rattlesnake in my yard, I'm not going to go in my yard anymore. I'm worried that there might be another rattlesnake out there. So my solution is, I am going to doom and gloom. I'm not going to go into my yard anymore. So somebody else has to cut the grass because I'm not going to do it. I, 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 am, I am worried that what if there's another rattlesnake? So anxiety starts to paralyze us. Anxiety starts to focus on the doom and gloom, the what ifs, all of that kind of thing. And so what happens is, and this is what's happened in our culture, stress is a, what is it, is a 300, I'm going to get the number right, $300 billion a year is what we spend in the United States on stress-related illnesses. $300 billion, folks. This is a big deal. People get all focused on, on stress. You know, stress, or fear would say, fear would say, you know what? I know that flying can be dangerous, so I don't know if I should do it or not. Anxiety says I'll never get anywhere near a plane. Um, you know, or just don't, some people just go, well, I just don't like it. Well, that's different than anxiety. Like I say, we get into this mindset. And so what Paul, when Paul says don't be anxious about it, he's not saying don't ever be anxious. It's, it's the idea of don't live in a perpetual state of anxiety. God didn't design you. God didn't save you to live that way. God doesn't want you to be running around in this doom and gloom and what if and I don't know about and so I'm not going to and that kind of mental anguish, if you will, that so often we get trapped and, and caught up in. And so Paul writes here, he says, look, don't be anxious. Don't be that perpetual state of anxiety. Um, Hawaiian word. I don't know if I'm going to get this right. Holly? Howley. That's what my wife says. Okay, that's what I'm going to say. <clears throat> when the white people came to the Hawaiian Islands, the Hawaiians observed them running around. And this is what they started calling them. You know what it meant? No breath. They're running around tired and breathless because they just keep running around doing stuff. And they looked at them and they went, these people, are, these people have no breath. They're running so fast. The Latin word for anxiety is to choke or to squeeze. It's the idea that you feel the pressure of life just crushing in on you. That it's squeezing you. How often have you looked at your week and gone, I'm exhausted, I am breathless. I feel like I, I, there's just way too much for me to do and I can't get it all done and we just feel the pressure squeezing and choking life out of us. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, God didn't design you to live that way. God didn't design us to live all bundled up and tightened up about everything because there's so much pressure and stress. So how do you handle that? I mean, how, did, how, how does Paul, who's about ready to die at any moment, Handle that. How does Paul say God wants you and I to handle that? 
And that's what we want to talk about. So that's kind of where we're going to go for the, for, for the whole week. So here's the first thing. Here's what he says. Um, I just put this up because it's a nice picture to look at. All right? It's a peaceful picture. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't create a lot of anxiety unless the plane's going down. Um, <laughs> at that point, maybe a little fear. But here's the idea. When Paul gets to this, he wants, he wants to focus on this idea of how do, you, how do you live? How do you handle this? How do you handle life? So here's what he, here's, oh, oh I'm sorry. I want to go back to this. Wait a minute. I want to go back one. Uh-oh. I want to go back to this one. Rejoice. In the Lord, always. Let me say it one more time. Rejoice in the Lord. So let's break down all three of those things. Rejoice in the Lord always. First idea is this idea of rejoice. When you look at the word rejoice, it's used about 165 times in your Bible. Uh, the Hebrew word is fascinating. Listen to the definitions of the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word has the idea of bright and shining. It's that idea of a child on Christmas morning when they come down and they see the Christmas tree with all presents underneath it. That's the idea. Um, it's the idea of leaping or jumping. It has the idea of shouting or the idea of moving around in a circle. Have you ever seen a dog chase its tail? And it starts going around, and you're like, at some point the dog's going to get dizzy and fall over. Um, and that's kind of the idea in the Old Testament. That was the idea behind rejoice. And the New Testament's linked a lot to the word grace, joy and grace. Uh, that idea of that, 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 that calmness, if you will, that, that kindness that comes with it. Now, here's the thing. Joy only has two sources, external or internal. External, we call it joy, but you know what? It's really happiness. Externally, what happens is, in, 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 for instance, we, you see people trying to create, there's so much stress and pressure in life, they go out and they try to create what they call joy, which is really happiness. So they, they, they try to find the right people to hang around, that make them happy. They try to buy, some people buy things. They find that things give them happiness, and then it breaks, and then they got to go buy new things. Uh, some people, it, it's all, their whole world of quote-unquote joy is all external stuff. It's all stuff they have to create. You watch this all the time. People go, you know what, we're, you know, we're just so exhausted, but we're going to go take a vacation. And, and I, I, listen, I'm a big fan of vacations, okay? But when you use vacations as your escape to create joy, you have a problem. Uh, because you're missing the boat. You're trying to create joy externally. If Paul was trying to create joy in his life externally, he is going to be pretty miserable because there is nothing going right for him at this point in his, in his life. But he's able to say rejoice. Why? Because in Paul's life and in our lives as Christians, joy should be internally driven. It comes from within, not from without. That's why you can have joy in spite of circumstances. You can have joy in spite of the way people treat you. Um, I, okay, I, I'm going to say this. You're not, you, may not dis, you may disagree, but this is the truth. We have a little saying that we all like. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. 
You understand that's not biblical? <laughs> Seriously. If mama ain't happy, that's mama's problem. Because you know what? I'm going to have joy even if mama ain't happy. Now, it may be harder because mama ain't happy. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? We, we, I mean, we, 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 it's these little things we throw off, but yet there's something to be said for joy is dependent internally on you and how you respond, not externally on the world around you. That's what Paul is talking about. So when Paul talks about rejoice, Paul's saying, look, what I want you to understand is your whole world here may be falling apart. <clears throat> Everything may be crashing in around you. Stuff is tough at your job. You might lose your job. Stuff is tough with your spouse where you guys are out at each other. You got problems with your kids. Um, you got money problems that are crushing in around you. You got relative problems and, and everybody's crushing in around you. And you've got this storm of life around you, of chaos. And every time you try to go forward and bring a little calm to it, it gets even worse. And, and we have this tendency to look at it and go, well, look, you know, if mama ain't happy, then I got to be miserable too. Or I got to externally go make mama happy. But the reality is it's mama's problem. Now, don't, here's advice. Don't say that. Okay. <laughs> Don't go saying that. But I mean, the reality of it is you are responsible for your outlook. It, it, it determines on you. And this is what Paul is getting at right here. And here's what Paul's saying. He says, rejoice. And what's the next phrase? In the Lord. There's the key. Paul did not say rejoice in your circumstances. He didn't, he didn't ask us to do that. He said, rejoice in the Lord. Um, the reason this is up here, first of all, I think it's kind of cool just to put something on a platform so you're sitting there going, what in the world is that doing on a platform? So now I'm going to tell you why it's on a platform. Here's, here's what I want to do. I want to let this side of the stage, well, really, I want the whole stage to represent all the stresses and all the problems of life. You know, things aren't going with your kids the way you want them to go. Um, you know, you're struggling at work. You know, the doctor didn't give you the news you wanted to hear. Things are going south with your health. Things are going south with your finances. All of this. Here, here's the thing. Newsflash. I don't care who you are, everybody experiences this stuff. You know, you're not exempt because you're a Christian. And, and that's an important statement. Because I get, you know, we, we, we get this mentality of, okay, God, here's the deal. I went to church this week, so you be good to me this week. Okay, God, you know what? Look, I, I, I'm, I'm given to help that person, so God, you owe me a good week financially. We get, we get this bargaining thing where, we're, where it's like, okay, God, I did this for you, now you've got to go do something for me. And, and look, difficulty, struggle, it happens to all of us. As the Bible said, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Storms come to all of us in different shapes, in different varieties, in different intensities, but we all live with issues of storms of life. You cannot escape this. This is life, okay? You know, and kids growing up, listen, we have done you a disservice to shelter you from a lot of this. 
And unfortunately, what happens is you start to realize, as I hear from so many 20 or 30 year olds, boy, life is tough. Um, and it is. I'm not going to minimize that. Storms come to all of us. Difficulty comes to all of us. Hardship comes to all of us. The question is, where are you going to focus? Because Paul had a pretty tough life sitting out here with all of the stuff. Well, Nero could kill us at any moment. How come I'm in prison? I mean, I want to reach all these people. I would love to be over at the, Philippi, at the Church of Philippi, but I can't because I'm here chained to this guy. Paul can sit here and whine about, you know what, I can't believe, you know, God, I keep asking you to fix this problem with my health and you haven't fixed it. And I've cried out three times, God, and every time you keep saying no, 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 I don't understand it, God. That's where Paul could be. That's what he had going on. But instead, what does Paul say? Rejoice where? In the Lord. This, I want to represent the Lord. See, I can sit out here and I can look at what people are doing to me. I can look at the things that are happening. I can look at the circumstances. I can play the what ifs. I can play the woulda, coulda, shoulda. This is what the world has to do. The only way the world knows to cope with it is they try to create joy. They try to go buy a bigger boat. Um, they try to go and buy a newer car or fix, buy a newer house or go on more vacations or sock away more money or get involved. They, they try to create this world to, to minimize how hard the real world is. Here's what Paul says. Rejoice in the Lord. Still in the world. But what's the difference? There's a protection over me now. And the storm still comes. I'm probably, if it's a big enough storm, even with this thing, I'm going to get wet. Might even get hit with a little hail. But you know what? It's much different here because I have the protection of the Lord over me in any storm that comes my way. I can rejoice. Why? Because I have the Lord. I can rejoice because the Lord is over me. I can, instead of focusing on all that stuff, here's what I can focus on. The Lord works out everything in conformity to his purpose and his will. I can sit here and say, Lord, you know, things aren't going the way that I wanted it to go, but Lord, I know you've got a plan. And so, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to focus on all that. All that's going to happen, but I'm going to focus on the Lord. Lord, thanks for saving me. Lord, my health is going south right now. And it's going to be hard. But you know what, Lord? I could have been born in a third world country where I don't have the health care options that I have here. Lord, I'm shocked that they even found it out. Lord, you know, finances are really tough right now, but Lord, I live at a better standard of living than most of the world. I'm actually rich compared to 90% of the world. Or, God, I don't understand how come he gets more money than I do. I should have gotten that raise. God, 
Why, why are you doing this to me? How come everything's so tough for me right now, Lord? Why this happen this way, Lord? Or, Lord, I don't understand. I really want it to work differently. Um, but Lord, you're in charge. This hasn't taken you by surprise. It's taken all of us by surprise. We're shocked. Or this. Not all things are good. But God works all things for good of those who love him. Lord, and if you don't pray this way, um, God bless you. But this is the way I pray. Lord, I don't want it this way. Lord, I think, Lord, it should not have happened this way, Lord. And I don't know what you're doing, but I've got to trust you. Because I know, Lord, that this isn't taking you by surprise. It's taking us by surprise. We never expected anything like this. But, Lord, you're, you're in charge. Lord, it's tough. Rejoice in the Lord. Or how about this one? This is a great one. Um, I can't see that. I've got to change the, the deal. Um, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Um, I will save the Lord. He, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God, whom I trust. And you know what's incredible as a Christian? I get this option. I get an option as a child of God to sit here. People who don't have the Lord don't get that option. They have to deal with the brunt of it. Death, loss, struggle. They, they just have to figure out a way to face it. What's ironic to me is people who sit here haven't chosen that but yet they're smart enough to realize that they want some of that, but they don't want to be all in. They still want to live life on their terms. They don't want to follow Jesus and be a disciple of Christ, but they want some of the things that come with that. And if you don't believe me, look at Facebook posts. And if you do this, I'm not going to slam you on Facebook, but this is my pet peeve, Okay. Uns, uh, people who don't follow Christ sit here and they look at you and when they go through a difficult time, here's the kind of things they say. And we're going to get to this in a couple weeks, but here's the kind of things they say. I'm going through a tough time right now. Will you pray for me? Or, it's pushing me over the edge. Send good thoughts my way. Good vibes my way. Now, let me tell you something. Prayer and good vibes or good thoughts are not in the same category. But what they do is they look at this and go, you know what? That works for them. I want some of that. But I don't want to offend all of my people in my world. So you send me good vibes. Like what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, oh, think of, think, 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 think of Jose. Think of Jose. Think of Jose. Woo. And this Jose sits at his desk. Woo. How insane is that? 
But they don't know what to do. Because they know that that works for, for believers. And so the closest they can come to it is some spooky, goofy thing. So, you know, if you do have done that, I'm not going to call you out. If you like to do that, that's your thing. But this is my hobby horse, all right? Um, this good vibe thing just pushes me over there. But I also understand, you know what? If you don't have access to that, good vibes is as good as it can come for you. The best you can hope for is that something mysteriously goes from my head to your head to help you. That's the best you get. Want to know one of the reasons to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Because when you become his child, all of a sudden now, he's your safety and protection from the storm. He's your shelter. He's the person who will never leave you. He's a person who will never forsake you. And Paul says, in everything that's going on out there, rejoice in the Lord because you and I get the privilege to be here. And then, if that isn't enough, Paul adds one more word. Always. You and I need to learn to continually live here, not there. And Satan is always trying to pull you away from here. And as circumstances go, go your way, as pressures of life come creeping in, it is easy to focus on all of that because it is so in your face and up close and personal. And one of the ways that you and I can handle the chaos of this world is to understand that there is a calm that can come from trusting the Lord, saying, Lord, and again, be honest with God. The way I pray would scare some of you. You know, I say, Lord, you know what? They're going through this and they don't deserve it. You know? There are people who could care less about you. Go give it to them. You're like, well, really? You pray that way? Have you ever thought about this? Your theology shapes a lot. God already knows my thoughts, so why don't I just say it? It's not like I'm surprising him by him going, oh, I never knew that about you. No, that's what I'm thinking, so let's just talk it out, Lord. And I don't think it should be that way. But Lord, for whatever reason, you've allowed this into their life. So Lord, my prayer for you, it's not good vibes or anything. My prayer for you is, Lord, would you help them to realize they can deal that situation from here rather than from out there? In your grace, in your goodness, in your kindness, can you help them to get over here? And Lord, if you can use me to help them, understand that this is where they can live and this is where they can be, then Lord, use me, use, use so-and-so who's close to them. Because Lord, that's, that's hard out there. And this is a place of shelter. This is a place of refuge. This is a place of protection. This is a place where I can sit back and go, you know what, as bad as it is, I don't have to be doom and gloom and anxiety and fear and overwhelmed and 
compressed and squeezed and breathless. I can sit here and say, Lord, could be a lot worse. Yeah, Lord, I hate that I've, I've lost my, my, my friend, my spouse. But Lord, we had more years together than I thought we could. You know, I hate that my friend Doug is not around to see my grandchildren. But you know what? I remember when he got when he got cancer the first time and they looked at him and said. Year, maybe. And we got spent 30 years. Now, that was not 30 happy years. Some of those were real struggle years. Because I watched him fight colon cancer four more times after that. And it's pretty easy for me to look at him and say, come on, Lord. We've been through this before. We've already beat it once. Why do we have to go through it again and again and again? Instead, we sit there and go, you know what, Lord? You gave us a whole lot of years we were never supposed to have. You go, again, I, I'm not rejoicing in the circumstances. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. They gave us the time they gave us. Because I, I literally remember, I remember praying, Lord, let him see his kids graduate from high school. And he got to see his kids actually graduate from college, one of them get married. I'm not saying you rejoice in the circumstances. Not everything that happens is good. But God can take everything that happens and make good come out of it. And when I focus on him, that's what happens. Um, this is something you're going to hear us go to quite a bit. But um, I think this will be in the book and, and, and that kind of thing. I'll print it out and put it in a bulletin or something like that. It's the calm that can come in the midst of the chaos. It's the idea of I can celebrate the goodness of God. I can rejoice. And as you sit here, what you do is you focus on that which you've been given. And let me tell you something, folks. We've been given a lot. And I think sometimes I'm just glad God isn't like us. Because sometimes I think we can be like a bunch of spoiled little kids. And we just want more and more and more and more and more. We're not satisfied with what we've got, what we've been given. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case you didn't get it, I'll say it again. Rejoice. The path to handling calm in the midst of chaos starts here. It starts with you looking at rejoicing in what you have been given. In the Lord. It starts with a focus on the idea that God saved you and God's in control and it's not going to let you take it by surprise. And he's not going to let you literally, he's not going to let anything come down the road that he knows you can't handle with his help. Because that's the canopy of God. That's the shelter of God over us. And there have been many times I've prayed to God and said, look, God, I know you won't send anything more than I can handle, but I'm here to tell you, here's something you don't know. I can't handle this. 
And then God lovingly, kindly shows me, bingo, you have it. You can't handle it. But if you'll trust me, I can handle it for you. And that's like, oh, yeah, you're right, Lord. We can get through this. That's the difference of learning to rejoice. So I, I end it this morning with this challenge for each of us. And I, want to, I don't want to minimize this either. For those of you who are not Christ followers, please, 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 seriously consider becoming a child of God so that you have something this world cannot ever offer you. And listen, when I deal with people who don't have a faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it is so frustrating because there is so much hopelessness for them. And you have to try to say things to make them feel better, but it's all just shallow words because there's nothing like the shelter and security under the presence of a God who is their, who, who is their father and they are his child. So I end with this. Rejoice in the Lord always. It's not God's will or plan that you live in a constant state of breathlessness, worry, and anxiety. The best way to face that anxiety is to learn to rejoice in what God has done and is doing in your life. The focus needs to be trusting Him to shelter you in the time of storm. We realize we can't escape storm, but we can take shelter in the one who provides safety in the storms. The Prince of Peace can give you a calm, quench the anxiety, provide you courage, and grow your faith. Rejoice in the Lord always. Make that your focus this week. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it would be overwhelming for us to hear all of the stuff that's going on in the people's lives that are here this morning. Lord, it would be overwhelming for us to, to, to hear the burdens that, that, that folks have walked in here with. And Lord, we, we can't take them away. As much as we want to, Lord, all we can do is try to help point them to ways to handle the storms, ways to handle the difficulties and the struggles and the pressures of life. Lord, as this thing keeps going faster and faster that we call life, and many of us just feel like a, a hamster on a wheel trying to keep up. Lord, would you help us to be able to find the calm assurance of your presence in the spite of all of the things that are happening? So Lord, as we dig in this week, as we study, as we try to learn from one another, as we, we try to get real with that one another, Lord, would you encourage our hearts? May we use it, Lord, to learn this week to rejoice not in what's happening, but in the God who is taking shelter over us. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's